it's not every day that a parent gets to talk about their kids. And they don't get to talk about the relationship that they have with them. And they don't get to talk about what a badass their kids are. Or how hard it's been or how simple it's been. But on this show, we do. That's what we do best. Because welcome to another episode of Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And uh, we got a great host. He's kind of good at it. And we always got good people to talk about their kids and their relationships. So please, stay tuned for another episode of Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Okay. We are officially on... State your name for the record, sir, unless you wish to remain anonymous with that. State I, your name for the record. I am Christopher Paul Cardoza. And you are the world-famous photographer of San Marcos, Texas? I am Mr. Photographer. Yes, that is me. How do you like it? How do I like it? Yeah. How do I like photography? Yeah. Oh, I love photography. And that's all you're doing right now? That's all I do. That's all I've done. And you got your start in Texas. You know, actually, no. I got my start in California. You caught the bug. I caught the bug. I went. I, I I was the school photographer for six years from junior high on up, and after graduation, I worked for our town paper, the Rialto Record. Did you write any or just take pictures? For I just took pictures, and then one day I was at a. We got a pass for. I forgot where I was. Oh, exactly. anyways, so yeah, so yeah, so straight out of high school. I'm at an L.A. Raider game, and uh, yes. their LA, the L.A. Uh, Times photographer, his camera broke. And uh-huh. he said, hey, dude, could you snap some pictures? I'll pay you for him. My camera broke, blah, blah. So I snapped some pictures, and then he called me back and said, hey, would you mind being a second stringer? Oh, yeah, okay. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's you know, a break, man. You know, so I did that part-time, you know, and for a couple of years. And then I ended up uh, the film bug bit. So I went to film school only after doing three years of community college and sidetracked into the deep, dark world of pornography as a videographer. And uh, Did you videotape pornography? You know, that that's another story in itself. I was at a camera shop uh-huh. and there was this guy in there and they had these huge beta cameras. Remember that? Yeah, I remember beta? the beta, beta these cameras. These were huge and yeah. there was one right there brand new. It was, I don't know how many thousands of dollars but I was looking at it and some guy walks up and he goes, hey, do you know how to work that? And I go, sure. Yeah, sure I do. Bullshitting, of course. And, yeah, uh, fake it till you make And it. he goes, hey man, you wanna you wanna make some extra money? I got a camera just like this. Could you show me how? Or better yet, I'll pay you to run it. And I go, you pay me? He goes, yeah. yeah, 50 bucks an hour. I go, 50 bucks an hour? Yeah. What do I have to do? He said, well, come on down. Let's, you know, have some Let's coffee, and beer. And, and, and I went in there, and sure enough, it was one of those typical, yeah, I do modeling. I go, oh, these are nice pictures. And he goes, I do calendars. I go, oh, these are nice calendars. I do, I do some magazine work. I go, oh, these are dirty magazines. Yeah. And he goes, you want to see some of the videos I shoot? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll see some of those. Yeah. And that's... Good job, by the way, yeah. saying that as creepily as possible. <laughs> you know, there it is. It made me feel uncomfortable. So, I did that for about six, seven years, I think. Six years. Wild. And it paid for my way into... Did you, did you meet anybody famous? Like, that would nowadays be famous? Yeah, or? Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Oh, you met that guy? Yeah, Ron you Jeremy. You kind of got a Ron Jeremy And there were a bunch of other people. Yeah. People like 
I don't know, actresses like there was an actress named Ginger Lynn, and there was a. You know, what because if, what about Christy Canyon? That's one that I remember from my childhood. She was she was right after that era. You know, when I started, what we did uh-huh. was important, and if you follow that kind of history, because yeah. amateur films was relatively brand new, no one wanted to watch it. But yeah. we were the company that broke the camel's back of this high paying porno industry. Yeah. gigs you know instead of buying these these flashy haired women that look like motley crew because motley crew looks like a bunch of women yeah you know they wanted that girl next door with the freckles yeah you know and we did that and we just you broke the mold we broke we broke the mold or you yeah. remade a different mold but you know there were other people in the country doing did, it but we were one of the did you see ron jeremy like actually nude in the performance? No, I never oh, saw okay. Ron... Ju- you know what so happened? You didn't film that guy. No, what happened was all these people were curious because they were losing money. Yeah. So he was one of those first guys that showed up on the set and, you know, he wanted to see what it was all about, this okay. amateur I got thing. You, I got because you. Because he got would you. end up doing his own amateur yeah, line yeah, later yeah. on. But, you know, we met him. He, he would hang out from time to time and he was kind of a quiet kind of guy. But when he talked, he was kind of annoying. Yeah. You know, I worked on a film as a grip, because after film school, I, I, I became a grip in the film industry uh-huh. for 17 years. And lo and behold, I did a, who are the guys that do South Park? Oh, God, Trey, Trey and... They did, a, they did a movie called, called it was about the, it was a comedy about the porn industry. Uh, I can't remember the name Orgasmo? of it. Orgasmo? Yeah, Orgasmo. Yeah, that's a great movie. They did Orgasmo and Ron Jeremy was in it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. lo and behold, there's Ron he's, Jeremy. He's, yeah, he's like their villain in it. I, I don't know how many years something. later, and you know, you see him on the set, and I go, I'm gonna go say hi to him, right? And then this, I get blocked by this older lady. She looks like you know one of the uh, the Brooklyn housewives, right? Yeah. With a strong Brooklyn accent, very Jewish sounding, right? Or yeah. you know, Brooklynese, whatever you want to say. And she was like, No, no, no. No one talks to Ron. Ron. Ron needs to get in his space and he needs quiet time. And I looked over and he had a book in his hand. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche. He had a book in his hand. That's funny. Nietzsche. And he was like this, dead asleep. So when they go, hey, Ron, you ready? He would go, yeah, I'm ready. You know, and he go in there funny. and goes, what scene? And yeah, what are we doing? You know, and then it was like a week later, maybe he turned around. And he goes, hey, I know you. <laughs> You That's know? funny. And we yeah, talked, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I hung out. I was what they call a day shifter. So I came in and filled in for the real grip who was on another show and didn't want to lose his position. Yeah. What's a grip? A grip is the guy that comes and sets up all the camera equipment, uh-huh. lays out all the lighting equipment for the gaffers and for the light okay. lighters, you know, and we're the guys that when they say, hey, we need to set up this light, we put up the you. light, yeah. walk away. We, we, we're going to do this camera angle. We move the camera. We, we dolly it. We fly it. You know, if they want to create a wall in a living room, like in five minutes, mm-hmm. give me a bunch of gaffer tape and I'm going to put some wood together and some cushions and boom, you have a living yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So That's yeah. pretty neat. Yeah, it was cool. It was how old were you whenever you were doing all that? I was in my 20s. I, you were in your 20s? Yeah. All right. Well, how old were you whenever you had a kid? I was 30. Two. No, I was 20. No, 29. 29 years 29 old. 29 years old. I had to think about that. Oh, that's all right. I, I, I was 
I, th- I can't remember how old I was when my daughter was born, and I was very young. <laughs> I think I was. I think I. Well, I was seventeen, going on eighteen. Oh wow! Because it was she was born in the same month of my birthday, so she's like, for twelve days, I was seventeen years old with a newborn baby. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, Which wow. is young. That's and a, yeah, how how did you handle that? Oh, it was it was definitely weird. Cause it kicked I'm, my ass at thirty, man. Yeah, I well, yeah, and you talk about and and sound, you were probably just a little bit more squared away than a seventeen year old. Uh, you could know. pay your own fucking bills. Uh, I was doing it at the time, and I was also a closet alcoholic. Well, yeah. I wasn't too much in the closet, you know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. To drink. Yeah, you, know? you busted out. Yeah, I know that feeling. But yeah, so you know, wait when the kid was crying late at night. That was kind of a good excuse. Yeah, you get up and pop open a can of beer. Yeah, feed her and feed oh, I got, yourself. I got, I got her, honey. Same. I got to go back to sleep. Yeah. No, it was definitely weird at 17. There's a lot of immaturities. There was a lot of ridiculous, pointless fighting and arguing over the stupid stuff. The inevitable breakup was absolutely terrible because, I mean, you know, it right. had to end somehow, uh, you know, and it did. And uh, I don't know. It was just, you know, thinking about it now, it's it's really silly. How long it's uh it it lasted? We fought till she was ten, I think. Right. And I was so I was twenty eight. Let's just say roughly twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight. Whenever right. she, and I remember calling my ex and just telling her like, you know, I am done fighting with you ever. I'm just letting you know now, I no longer care, you know. Right. And uh, I said I'm just gonna get my daughter. When it's my time to get my daughter and I have really nothing to say to you, we can be, you know, friends or not friends. We can just be, you know, corrigible with each other, you know, where mm-hmm. everything's okay. And that's pretty much where we've left it. Yeah. You know. Now, we've had a few step backs where we've talked some trash to each other. But for the most part, you know, I have my feelings about her uh-huh. and she has hers about me, you know. So, oh, we, my ex and I, we, we, we haven't talked in double digits, double digits, 10 years or like double digits double in digits, the teens. Yeah. No, double digits after. So, you know, we, well, what happened? I was, I was about 38 when we, let me divorced. spell it out for you. You saw this beautiful woman walking down sunset strip. Uh, the I sun... saw this beautiful blonde who, uh-huh kind of resembled Morgan Fairchild. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a British descent. She's lived in England half her life. And, uh, you know, I was very needy, and she was hot, you know. And, yeah. And I went for it, and, of course, you know, being young, dumb, and needy, you know, oh, I can't live. I can't live. Yeah. I can't live without you. you, you know? Did you fall, like, head over heels? Yeah, like an idiot. Lady? And, and she, you know, my first warning sign should have been, you know, because I, I, I was still at my mom's house in my early 20s. Well, no, seriously, because, you know, I worked I can't in LA. make fun of you. I, was, I, I moved back into my mom's for a week whenever I was 25. I was making this money, this newfound great money in Hollywood, yeah. right? And, and with the porn stuff. And I had just come out of film school. Yeah. And... What happened was, you know, I, I got a place in Venice, on Venice Beach. And mm-hmm. Actually, I lived in Santa Monica for a year or two, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Venice. But 
if I wasn't there, I was paying rent there. I why buy why rent another place? I just stayed at my mom's. Yeah, right? I know that does make sense. You know, and so you know, uh, the first phone call her and I had. I mean, out of her mouth, right out the gate. Look, I want to be able to come and visit. I want to be able to spend time with you. And if I do that, you know, I don't want your goddamn mom ever getting in the way. Blah, blah. You know, and it was like, I was thinking about, and right there, warning signs came up. Dude, don't do it. This is going to be bad. And it was. Yeah. We never fought over the kid. That's the one thing we never fought over. Believe it or not, my first few years, I was very... For first nine years, I was I was even going through rehab. I was responsible. Yeah. Uh, so we never had that typical. No, you go get the baby. No, you change the diaper. No, you. Well, how well how old was she? My daughter. No, no, no. How old was the lady that you? you Same you, age as me. Uh, so y'all were both thirty. Yeah. Or close enough. Well, okay. So I started dating again in my thirties. Okay. And I mean, it's just shit or get off the pot. With yeah. a relationship in your thirties, so I, it's, raising a child in your thirties is a lot it's different, tough. you know. It, it, but it's a lot different from being like seventeen. So it does make sense that you're not going to fight over like these really minute things because, like, yeah. the feeling of like I got to go out and be with my friends tonight. That's that's there sometimes, but for the most part, you're like I'm thirty years old now. I don't mind sitting on my ass on a couch with a baby in my hand. Yeah. You by know? the time we by the time we hit thirties, there was a TV show thirty something. Mm-hmm. Life was like that because that group of friends that I always had since because I always had the same group of friends. Yeah. So by thirty, you know, we're either moving on to another state or, you know, we're we just transferred and we're now stationed in another country for the next few, or we we're getting married and. Doing the family thing. Yeah. You know, so we kind of yeah. drifted away. So all I had really was her and my job. Was, yeah. You know, so, you know, it wasn't a bad thing. You know, I love to drink. I've already mentioned that. Did I mention I like to drink? I think I think so. Yes. I, you may have actually wet brain and so, you might be repeating yourself a lot. It's okay. So, I, I, Ladies and gentlemen, I will edit out the wet brain. Don't worry. Edit that out. So, you know, I mean, it was a great ex- Because I'm an isolationist by nature. Yeah. So yeah. I enjoyed that comfort time of holding the baby late at night yeah while she slept you know and then the baby would fall asleep and i'd put her in a little thing you know and i turn on the tv real quietly and i can watch tv at 3 a.m drink some beer go through a six pack you know and yeah and then stumble into bed yeah know? and and you know my my life was like that for a lot of years uh i think the only time i think i became a bad father was towards the end there where yeah the drinking took over it became more important yeah well what happened so what happened to the to the relationship itself i mean how long were you guys together for uh 10 years technically wow so i i had the final divorce papers i i had filed for divorce and Uh i don't know whatever happened with that so i think i sat on it yeah because i was still on the fence because i was still that needy insecure guy yeah uh and and what happened was she went ahead and completed the filing, and I got the the final papers to sign when I was in jail. Okay, all right. So now, so let's talk about what led up to the divorce. Okay, because I, I I can only assume you did nothing wrong, and it was all her fault. It was, and all, it could be possibly the child's fault too. It, it I've, was. I've it had was that both their fault, right? Yeah, yeah there no, you go. I mean, I told if the baby didn't cry so much, and need so much. I mean, I tell my daughter all the time. You know, you should, you could sue mom. <laughs> for 
not you not giving consent to being born. There you go. And she goes, well, what about you? I go, well, I'm... I'm just a donor. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so tell me the truth now. Okay, well, no. Uh, what happened was uh, the drinking. You know, yeah. so coming home, um, and here's what happened. I stayed in the film industry for a good... 10 extra years. Yeah. But I was doing it part-time. So what happened was, if you work in the film industry, your your life is basically, you're on the road. Mm-hmm. Three months, you know. That's the most I would do. Yeah. Um, and this is just being yeah, a Yeah, so, so I walked away from a lot of great pain, very well-known movies, you know, that I could have been on for six months at a time. Yeah. Uh, but I chose commercial work. I chose little tiny independent features. Uh, a lot of work with MTV, a lot of work with uh, uh, a lot of videos that were produced by independent companies. So, you know, she or you know, she knew that if I was working on a Jeep commercial, I'd be gone. Yeah. So I was never home. And when I finally came home, she gave me an alternative because we had started fighting, and she would, and she was the one who would check on me constantly, drove me nuts, right? Yeah. So that that was her. That was all. Yeah, yeah. You know, because. Don't you know? Hey, I'm a guy. Right? Yeah. But um, what happened was, you know, I, I just wasn't there. And when I was there, I would make excuses. Hey, I'm on my way home. Yeah. And I go out, and I wouldn't be home for another day or so because I'm, well, yeah. I'm out drinking. Yeah. You know, and of course you get lonely. So you know, of course, you know, you mix that with a little dope, then before you know it, I'm hanging out in these sleazy strips, looking at these sleazy motels with these sleazy women, you know, and then I'm making up bigger excuses. Oh, honey, they called me back. I don't call them sleazy women. You were just participating yeah. in the sex so industry. So of course, you know, being the woman that she was, she called me on it because yeah. of course back then she would call that company and she'd go oh, yeah. hey you Check know i'm in. trying to get a hold of my husband is there any way you can get him a message yeah. have him call home well who, who you know well he's not working with us <laughs> you know yeah. so she you Good know way she, to get caught. she would catch me on that a few times and so you know a lot of it was me just not present yeah and eventually what happened she she had an affair Oh, and of course, you know, I you know that's oh, that's crossing the line. That and that right there, yeah, she crossed the line. So of course, I I pulled the old infamous go down to his work, drag him out of work, beat the crap out of him, you know, get arrested, and then you know, I I did all that. Oh, that's wild. You know, and and the bottom line is, and I, I'm just gonna say it this way: Can we cuss on this? Yeah, that's fine. She was a fucking bitch from hell. That's all there is to it. Mom that, hated her, but she was a she was a bitch from hell, and that's all I'm going to say about her in that respect. It sounds but, like you you had like a lot but, of the machismo, though. but when no, I had no machismo. The machismo only came out when I got angry that one time. Yeah, yeah, but if you're out banging a bunch of women, yeah, sleazy no, women no, on no, the sleazy it, strip, there's a difference between and machismo you get upset that she's and yeah, on and you. horny, yeah. Okay, so so the bottom line was was she was a bitch <laughs> from hell. Yeah. And, ah, uh, what was my train of thought? Yeah, the bottom line was I was the one that drove the, the, the marriage into the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I take full responsibility for that. Yeah, maybe she was just, let's say she was just, because in her defense, since there's no one, she can't speak for herself here, you yeah. know. Uh, so, we'll so, just say that, that she she was, she she used the resources that she had to the best of her ability. And, and, and it back, came across as being bitchy but in reality yeah. it's just 
Oh, how dare you, know, you ask me for money? Wait, using untrained emotions. Yeah. You want money? Then I should be living there. Yeah. You know, all that bullshit. Yeah, I was an asshole. Yeah. And, you know, and and I think she was probably the smarter woman in that respect. Yeah. Uh, I, I could say that she was a bitch from hell because no one really liked her. Yeah. Yeah, she was a busybody and she was a pillhead. Uh, and I just won't go on about her anymore other than the fact that, that at the very end, I just surrendered and said, do your thing. You know, because by then, what was important was not the kid. Yeah. Natalie, that's her name. It was, I start finding these new friends. So uh-huh. those friends that I had for, and some of those other people are still my friends, what, 30, 40 years later, right? Yeah. But um, I start finding these new friends, these guys that hung out in garages in that same neighborhood. You know, I ended up going, my mom bought a new house and I ended up living in the garage, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'd have, hey man, what's up? What are you doing? Do you do, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, come on, you know, snort, snort, you know? Yeah. And that became my new life and I, I, I didn't want to go back. Yeah. You know, let alone be responsible for my kid. Yeah. So that was pretty much the dissolve of the relationship for that one. I mean, once you hit yeah. that point, it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah, what I mean, do that's do? the way it was for me. I mean, I wasn't hanging out doing dope with people, but, you know, like I would give her the, uh, I'm on my way home, right? And I was working, I, I would have this all timed out, you know. I'd be like, I'm on my way home, and then I would stop at the convenience store, and I'd get three, like, the biggest, cheapest beers I could find. Yep. I knew all the back roads back to my house. Oh, that was you nine. know, and I would slowly drive home until I got to the last possible stop for a convenience store, and I'd buy a twelve pack, and I would not drink any of that. So then I would just walk into the house with that twelve pack, but I already had the three beers in the truck. Slant, you know, they oh, were drank. I, I, I was gotcha. listening to the basketball game on the. Dude, I, you know, that's and, my life. Yeah, you just I don't even have to explain. Yeah. That was me. But I did the twelve pack in the car. And brought yeah. the twelve pack inside. Well, and sometimes, yeah, and sometimes that would happen. But you know, I had, I was not very good at. I, you could, I, all my tails were showing. By six beers in, you knew I had six beers yeah. in me, no matter how much I've drank. You know, until the very end, where I was just so saturated, it didn't matter. Oh, this I was word just drunk got, all the time. See, I was that guy. I, yeah. I was that guy at the end there, because in the end, what happened was then, when I wasn't gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of made the decision, well, I'm going to try to be a father. So how do I become a father? What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Do I get a real job? <gasps> yeah. You know, and lo and behold, I had this friend that was working in the lumberyard at, we had a place called Home Base. Home Base would eventually become Lowe's. Oh, okay. Lowe's bought out Home Base in California. And Lowe's, I think, was based out of Kentucky. And they, they were all this part of the country, but they weren't in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they finally went over there, I jumped ship and went over there. And the guy knew me. And he said, well, why don't we make you a supervisor? You know? And I go, oh, fuck, yeah. You know? So yeah. this is what happened. You know, I'd get off in the morning. Sometimes I'd do, help out with the graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. So I'd get off at 6, and I wouldn't get home doing what you did until 10 or 11 now yeah then there were the days where after dinner five six o'clock oh you know what we need some of this i'm gonna go to the store yeah and the most famous one was three days later 
Yeah. And I had an excuse and a lie upon lie. Oh, I helped out Brian and his car ran out of gas. And then he had to go to his mom's. You know, back then we didn't have cell phones. Yeah, yeah it was hard so to he, get a hold. Yeah, so there couldn't was a Couldn't find little a payphone, babe. Bit, yeah, couldn't find a payphone, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the most I did was like a three day drunk gone in a hotel room. That's crazy. With a hooker, you know. And God, that was for the best. 30 bucks I spent and I'd be damned if I was going to leave this hooker. Yeah. You know, and you know, I'm not worried about you and your Corova because, um, if you, have I should done, have been dead, dude. If you've done what you, which honestly, whatever, man, I've done some pretty crazy shit where I'm just like, man, I don't know how I lived through that. You yeah. know, all while drinking, all while drinking. you know, so just to set the story or not the story, but just to set the, uh, we both don't drink. And we both uh, are, are we're proud members of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous community. community and association. So you can't see our faces, so we are anonymous. Yeah, it's very anonymous. So how many years for you? I have 11 years of no drinking. And I have, I just turned nine years. Yeah. And I do clarify whenever I say 11 years of, oh, wait, hold on, wait. Yeah, I will have 11 years in on December 1st of, of no drinking. So. Yeah. Yeah, and... uh. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, because like your last bender. So how old were you whenever all this? This is towards the end of your relationship. About then 10 the relationship years, 10 years into your marriage and then, and then or whatever. And then once I ended up back at my mom's, that's when the first time I ever got arrested. And I got I got a, a, a DUI. Oh, okay. You know, how, how's a guy like me in a jail cell with guys like these? Oh, I know. No, you know, I, yeah, yeah. And, it's and, where you, I was a special alcoholic. You, yeah, absolutely. I was a little bit better. You weren't, well, you didn't have a problem. No, because I'm better yourself. than you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a problem. Yeah. And then, and then came the, the drunken public. Yeah. Then came the pulling over and, okay, we'll let you go in the beer, with the beer, but, hey, your pupils are kind of dilated. You don't have anything on you, right? Yeah. Oh, no, of course not. So, if I brought you out here and searched you, I'm not going to find anything? Uh, no. Yeah. And of course there's another arrest. Fingers crossed. You know, so so during this time I started accumulating from a day, twenty four hours in jail. Yeah. For a drunk, that was considered sight release. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't leave that holding cell till you sober up. Yeah. You know, and then it went from that to two days here, three days here. I spent a whole week and how my world was blown. And then came the one month, then came mm-hmm. the two months. Then came the three month. She filed those papers during a three month divorce. During, well, the during three a three month, month uh, jail. jail what sentence. was the What was the longest that you? Uh, two years. Two years. See all that Str- that was consecutive. Ca- well, that, that was your buildup. Yeah, all that was county jail yeah. time. You know, yeah. if anyone's done the county jail time, yeah. I mean that's. It's so funny, but I mean, so you could break this down though, and like listen to it. In the same aspect, because you're you're so far removed from it now, yeah. where you can just be like, you know, it's it's like whenever you're talking to someone that does heroin, that was like really really hooked on heroin, right. you know, like you snorted or you smoked it the first couple of times, maybe, you know, some some people I did, yeah. I, and I knew people that did inject it, but you know, you go with like you, you got your spot, you know, and you're and then you're like, okay, but I'm gonna stop whenever I hit this one spot, you know, whenever I've got to use the vein between my fingers. You know, that's whenever it's gonna be like too oh, much, yeah. and that's like you're like your your one month. You know, you hit your one month in jail. Well, someone, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you see the correlation there, and then you're like, well, that's not so bad. So then, before you know it, you're literally finding your big vein in your penis, 
you know, injecting yeah, I, the heroin. You know, I never deviated from these spots, but I ended up having to go in the legs. Yeah. I ended up having to go in the neck. Yeah. I ended up finding veins in weird places. Yeah. But I wouldn't do my penis. Yeah. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. But, yeah, so, you know, it started, this was always with me, uh, a 24 ounce. Yeah. I never did. Why would I buy a fucking 12 ounce? Why would I buy yeah. a six pack when I can buy I, yeah. when I buy two 40 ounce bottles yeah. and that's the equivalent, right? Six packs just pisses me off. Yeah, so you know Mickey's Big Mouth or yeah. or for me, 211 was my fun one. You know, I uh, used to like the sayings under the Mickey's caps. Yeah, so did I. The chapstick. Where they had a lap stick. Yeah, keeps your I, lap from getting chapped. Then I stopped reading those, so I I, I yeah. barely remember that. But. You know, and then it went from snorting to smoking it, yeah, to shooting it, and then from shooting speed to let's try a little speed and coke, and let's just do the coke. And oh, let's try a little. Oh, you don't have yeah. anything? Because now the only thing I got's H. Yeah. And there I am with a syringe, going, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, I mean, you might as well, yeah, right? What know? What's the difference? And it's a different high. Because when you want to get high. You know. You want to get to that spot. Yeah. You don't care what it is at that yeah. point. At that point, I was a junkie. And I've, so junkie. I've never, I've never got to experience the sweet, sweet nectar of injecting heroin into my yeah. system. However, in the hospital, I do remember them giving me uh, oxycotton in an IV drip. Oh, I bet that was something else. And let me tell you, I don't know what heroin feels like. But I got a good feeling what oxycotton felt like, and if it's if those two things coincide, kind of like it. I was never I too mean, much of a pill popper. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you this: what the only reason why heroin became appealing because I had finally reached that point with a guy, and I got sober with this guy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget what he said. But I had been experiencing these psychosis. Yeah. I was hearing things. Was, oh, yeah. You know, I, I caught myself, and I was very aware of what was happening. That was what was scary, was I was glued to the back window, staring into the darkness, and you could see the lights from the neighbor's house, and you could hear things, and I was thoroughly convinced that there were people fucking out in the yard, in the bushes, and that the person across was looking at me through the window, and she was hotter than fuck, and all this stuff, and then it became demons. Yeah. And I'll never forget the day it became demons. And this guy grabbed me and he said, and I was thoroughly convinced people were monsters and mm-hmm. that they were all working for a government agency. Yeah. And he grabbed me by my shoulders and he said, and I was thoroughly convinced if I went with him, they were going to kill me. Yeah. The second I walked through that door. Yeah. And he said, dude, if I have to drag you in, I'm going to hurt you. And I heard that, and I just go, okay, if it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. And I, I literally jumped into the house, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, there's nothing here. Yeah. You know, and he was like, I'm going to do something, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take it all away. And he shot me up with coke and heroin. Okay. And the psychosis gone just like that. he like doctored you up yeah man. and i was the back to normal and he totally said you and, he, up. and he said what's going to happen in about 15 minutes you're going to get really sleepy and probably in 30 minutes you're going to be out yeah you have a good night's sleep and he goes but i want you to remember this can you yeah. hear me good and i go yeah i can hear you man and i was talking like that yeah, yeah, yeah well you were back you were, yeah, yeah you i was just, back to you normal reversed your brain yeah you know no high no nothing and yeah. he was like he was like you just crossed the line that you can't uncross. The next time you put speed in a needle and put it in your vein, you may not come back. Yeah. 
you're going to be that person walking that corner, you know, yelling at cars yeah. and yelling at the, the clouds. And, and you know, damn if I didn't push the envelope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel you. I mean, no, that, that's that's the drug addict's anthem. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how we, the ones that live can tell you all about how far we pushed it. Yeah. And by you then, know? you know, I, I had nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. So how, how were you? That was 10 years. So what you're. By that time, late I was 30s, 35, 36. Okay. 35. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause so I, I officially washed up into rehab and walked out of rehab, a 37 year old man. Okay. Well, I was, so I was a young buck compared to that though. I was 25, but that was my second stint in rehab. And, uh, and I, my story is very, I wouldn't say it's that bad. Although I, I can, I guess I can agree with you on definitely a lot of things where towards the end of my, I went on a three month, just straight bender. It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. I'm going to tell you this real quick. All right. I was working at a restaurant. The head chef, this is the only job that I could get because I just couldn't, my hands were too shaky to do electrical work. I didn't want to be out in the sun all day. Were you going to say head chef? No, no, no. I definitely was not head chef. Uh, I was just working there and the head chef, the, 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 the main, the main guy was a, was a bit bipolar, definitely an alcoholic. And one night he flips the fuck out on everyone in the kitchen. Well, I'm in the back. Right. Cutting up potatoes with headphones in. And at this point in my life, I'm getting to where, like, if a door slammed too too quickly, like, or if it's too loud, like a loud noise, like a pot hit the ground. Right. I would just, like, it would make me emotional. And, like, I'd feel like I'd want to cry. I was just nervous all the time. I was anxiety ridden because oh, all I was doing was just drinking and ignoring everything. Yeah. You know? So I'm back there just cutting shit up, you know? And, and I walk back and I have this huge tub of, of fucking potatoes and i gotta put them in the fryer you know it's all part of the prep and i look around i'm like where'd everybody go like no one was in the kitchen tickets across the window right and i was like wow we're like in the weeds and no one's here i guess we're having a team meeting and i honestly thought that they were just out back just everybody getting high real fast and they're going to come back and slam all this food out which by the way america that's what you do in a fucking restaurant all right, you go there and you smoke pot and you cook people's food, oh. and then Jeff Gordon Ramsay fucking comes out and yells at you and tells you your food shit. <laughs> you know. Anyways, uh, head chef comes in and he was like, he looked at me and he goes, "I fired everyone," and I was like, "Well, I wasn't here when you fired everyone. I was back there. So am I fired? Because I wasn't talking shit to anybody. I don't know what's going on. Plus, you need help right now." And, uh, and, and then I looked at him and I was like real quick and I was like, man, this is a time for me to fucking negotiate with you. Oh, and he goes, he goes, you can get the fuck out. And I was like, I don't want to get the fuck out. I don't want more money. I want to make a deal. And he goes, what's the fucking deal? And I said, I want to come in here. I said, I will open this restaurant up every day, but I want to be able to drink as much beer here as I can, as, as I want. Like, you know, if I just want to have a fucking beer, I want a beer. Pour it, pour it out. You got kegs. Whoa. You got kegs, man. Like, come on. I'll, I'll keep track of it. I'll write it on a little list, you know? And uh, he just started laughing. Yeah. And he goes, okay. What? He said, good. He said, fine. He said, he, he, was, he didn't think I could drink that much, you know? So, I became 
the definition of the perfect employee. Wow. Because I showed up at 7 o'clock. The restaurant had to be open by, by 11. I'd get there probably because I was just sleeping in my car in the parking lot. Right. I would like act like I was driving off, but I didn't have a place to live. Oh, my wife had kicked me that. out. I wasn't allowed to be around yeah. my kids at the time. My mom, like, man, she would have taken me in, but, you know, it's my mom, and I still had a little bit of pride left in me. Right. So I was like, yeah, bye, guys. Have a good night. And if a waiter or waitress didn't want to take me in for the night, you know, let me crash on the couch, I would just find a fucking behind a dumpster and sleep in my car, you know? Amazing. So I would open up the restaurant. I'd walk in at seven o'clock. I'd start pouring my. I'd pour myself two or three beers, just in pint glasses, and I would just chug them. Then I'd right. pour my beer and I'd go back to the kitchen. So I'd have my four beers in, you know, and I would just kind of like start to open up stuff and and uh, um, hold on, get everything all ready. Make sure everything's like temperatures are getting hot and all that yeah. stuff. All the you know, if I can get everything in there. And just drink, man. And I would, I would open at seven, and I would be, and I would stay because he didn't have any other employees. I'd stay till we shut down at ten, and then I would close everything on my side by one. And I was just saturated for three fucking months. And I mean, like I, I, I do not remember being drunk, and I do not remember ever having a hangover and and i don't remember not drinking damn you know like it was wild so uh i did that procedure for three months i walked away from that job i just woke up one morning and was like i don't want to drink today you know because this asshole that i fucking know he looked at me one night and he goes hey man and he didn't drink he was in the program right and uh, he goes he goes remember you know every day is a good day just to get sober and I was like, go fuck yourself. You know, I didn't care to fucking hear it. So I woke up that one morning. I was like, you know, today's a good day to go to get sober. You know, I'm going to try it. And uh, I think it took about 15 minutes before, like, immediate depression kicked in. Yep. I was sobering up. I was starting to feel bad. It had been about seven hours since I drank. And uh, the only thing I could think of was to just kill myself and make it happen you know yeah. so i went to the bank i had all the money i pulled out enough cash to get myself a fancy gun right. from the pawn shop and then i went to a convenience store and i saw myself in the mirror and i was like i wouldn't sell me a gun i look like a fucking maniac right you know i go to my mom's house to take a shower she locked me out not because i was she just didn't know i was on my way over i didn't have a key so i had to go knock on that asshole's fucking door that said, it's a great day to get sober. And I was like, fuck this motherfucker. Like, that's all I could think about. So I, I go and knock on his door, super proud, as, you know, as tall as I can. And, I, and I, I'm like, I just need to take a shower. And he goes, how are you doing? And that is the last thing I remember. I remember waking up at one point with lights in my eyes. Uh, somebody saying that his blood pressure was way too high, he's going to have a stroke. They wanted to, I remember somebody kind of like slapped me in the face, asked me what I was on, like how much methamphetamines was I on. Yeah. And I was like, I don't fucking do drugs. This is just alcohol. And it was, I wasn't on, I wasn't, that's why I was such a good alcoholic because I wasn't a fucking drug right. addict, right? You know, like I'm not a cokehead. I'm not, I'm not doing heroin and speed and all this. I wasn't one of them. I was a special alcoholic. Oh, I was special, you know, 
And uh, I fucking went to this place in San Antonio. It's actually been torn down now, and it's like some new facility. Uh, and I, man, I wish I could remember the name of it. But I was only there for three days or four days doing a, 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 a detox, and they had a room for me. Probably should have taken it, but I didn't. Right. And um, man. It was brutal because it was like I was in a room with alcoholics, heroin addicts, coke addicts, mm-hmm. and they were all poor, just like me. I wasn't yeah. at a rich boy's fucking – I wasn't at La Hacienda. No no offense, La Hacienda, but y'all are expensive. I was there when I was younger, you yeah. know. And uh, – but uh, it was wild, man. And I like had – that's whenever I had the realization like, okay, I am a drug addict. Yeah. I am an alcoholic. And I am not fucking special, right. you know. And so from that point on, boom, you know, it wasn't easy. I've been sober ever since. Have fixed and established great relationships with all my kids. I have custody of my son. Oh, wow. You know, so, yeah, okay. I have custody. And I'm not bragging about it, but it's, you know. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, there's something about bragging, but there's something to be proud of. Yeah. But anyways, that was my very long, short story, right. you know, and... uh I, didn't, I, I, I have all these twists and turns. and sequels. You do. You have twists and turns, but you also... So, you know, really, though, what the fuck happened whenever you sobered up? How'd you patch up your relationship uh, uh, with your daughter? Well, you was, know what I mean? Yeah, so that's that where I that want to start there. That was a scary part because, yeah, when, once I once I ended up... In re, and I stayed in rehab for over 100 and some odd days. Hold on to that story. Yeah. I'm going to pause this. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pants Just Won't Shut Up. Today you're listening to uh, Chris Pa, I don't know, CPC. It's much easier. Anyways, this is a real quick shout out for Anchor because Anchor is a podcasting platform which allows you just to put your podcast out. They do all the hard work for you. They put it on other platforms and stuff. So, uh, you know, in short, hey, you got to give Anchor a try. Remember, you can always download the Anchor app and donate to this show uh, monetarily. They don't want you to, like, send them, like, a refrigerator or nothing. It's not like wedding presents, man. We just want money, all right? So, uh, you know, that helps us help you uh, for some other reason like that. I'm not too sure. Anyways, thank you for staying tuned. You're about, uh, I don't know, probably halfway through the show by now. You know, all that good jazz. Have a good day. Goodbye. No, no, no. You can, you can return to listening to the show now. Thank you very much. I don't know where the stop button is. I don't know. So. Boo. Okay. Oh, wow. I can see that now. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, by the time I ended up in rehab, and that was for 100 some odd days, uh, you know, I burned every bridge. You know, I'll never forget the two stumbling moments, and they were like within weeks apart. You know, I knew I had a problem, but I couldn't stop. Yeah. You know, my it was like a bad scene from Bad Lieutenant all the way to a bad scene of Barfly. Mm. You know, to I wasn't even that special anymore. I couldn't even afford going to a fucking bar. I never yeah. liked bars anyway. Uh, so, you know, I was sleeping behind you know i'll never forget that buddy of mine who came and pulled me out of jail got me out of jail after three months i needed a place to be for probation because i was still in the county jail level yeah and then he uh he goes he goes you can stay with me and then within within two months he was like you gotta go yeah you know and he told me this at three in the morning he woke me up i said well okay i'll pack and i'll be ready to leave tomorrow he goes no 
No, we're going to pack you. I'm going to, I'll take you wherever you want. You want to go to LA? Do you need to go to the mountain? We're, I'll take you anywhere you go. Was he kicking you out? This is, but you were not sober then. Oh, I was not sober. Oh, okay. So, so then, this is you being fucked yeah, up. Yeah. And then, and then next ready. thing I know, I don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. We won't get into that, but right now, but that's a whole nother show. But, um, same thing. They were yeah. looking at me and they're like, cops going, dude, your blood pressure. Yeah. And then they, they brought in a medic who checked me and they go, no, you got to transport this guy. You know, next thing I know, I'm at the hospital. Yeah. And then they're going, you know, you're chained to a, you're cuffed to a damn gurney. And they're going, no, we get, we have to admit him, you know? And I'm like, what? You know? And, and then they moved me into, they didn't, they admitted me into a, a little one of those care unit things. Mm-hmm. And then when I was all good, I'll never forget. I got in the cop car and I'm supposed to be released. And he handcuffed me and he starts driving away from the jail. And I go, where are we going? And he said, just not another word. And I go, am I being rearrested? Mm-hmm. And I was pissed. And I'm behind the squad car, behind that window. I'm yeah. already hang- So what's he going to do? Arrest me? So I'm calling him a fucking prick. I go, you motherfucking asshole. You know, because I started thinking it's like fucking midnight. I have two hours from that county jail to get to that nearest store that's still open. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I can get at least one can of beer. I had no money, but I knew I was going to get a beer. Yeah, you can fucking steal the I'll thing. I'll figure it out, yeah. yeah. And... You know, he just, I'll never forget it. It was the most important part of my life. The cop looked at me, and I saw him staring at me. He looked like Robert De Niro in fucking Taxi Driver. Yeah, staring and, through the rearview mirror. Yeah, and then he, Those eyes. and then all I heard were the words, you know, I pray to God that someday you thank me for this. And that's all he said until we got to the hospital, another bigger hospital. And I go, what are we doing here? And he goes, I'm going to admit you into the psych ward. Mm, yeah, you were just out of your fucking mind. Yeah, and I was fucking pissed. And then and then that was the very moment everything came down and I realized I'm safe because I had nowhere to go. Yeah. Maybe I'll hang out for a few days. And what happened was, unlike jail, fear was the first thing that came back. Yeah. What am I going to do? Then came anxiety. Oh, yeah, because you start you know? feeling all this yeah, shit Yeah, and then again. I'm feeling all this shit. And I remember this lady came up, and we're still friends today. But I met her right there and then. She came in. She was from the county. And she goes, hey, Jane. That was her name, Jane. And she goes, where are you going after this? I go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And she goes, if I offered you a, a one-month, a 30-day rehab, would you take it? And without hesitation, I just remember saying, yeah, you know, and she fought for me to get that position. And I got into the rehab and as soon as they checked me in, they said, okay, we're going to keep you for 90 days. And I was like, (gasps) you know, and then I started, you know, it was like, it was the uncertainty of what, because everything I, I, I realized that was the first thing I realized was that I had numbed my entire life. It's not that I didn't know these were problems that were occurring, yeah, no, we both, yeah. But I, it was the matter of yeah. not feeling the pain and anxiety that were associated yeah. with them. You know, so now all these things are bum-rushing me. and Yeah, you start and, feeling your feelings. You know, but the, 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 the easy drift was the fact that I was in a place with a bunch of guys that felt the same way I did. Yeah. You know, 
And then I heard that first guy, because they'd come in every Sunday night, which was Alcoholics Anonymous, I heard that guy, you know, talk about the same fears and the same anxieties. And I'm looking at the guy, and he had long hair like me. You know, he was Mm -hmm. a rocker. And he goes, you know, and he said, you know, I drove up today in a brand new or 19, whatever it was at that time, 2000-something, 2005 Honda Accord. Mm -hmm. And he goes... Last time I was here, I could barely ride a bike here. Yeah. And I camped out in the front yard hoping that they would admit me and, you know, within two days, which they never did, you know. And he said, if I can get sober, anyone can get sober. Yeah. So that's the important thing about this. So we start feeling, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could say logically, because I, I was sober for three years, and then I relapsed. And because I think I thought I could do it again, then I realized I ended up in the same spot. And this time, instead of going to county, I went from county to a state penitentiary. Felony drunk driving hit and run. Mm. Oh, that's what you did. Well, I I was a two-timer by then because I I never mentioned, it's not worth mentioning, but I I got convicted on trafficking. Well, they dropped it to transportation, but they were trying to prosecute me on felony trafficking. You had enough substance on you? Yeah, that's a whole other yeah. yeah, that's a whole other show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so you know, so I could say when I finally got sober in 2011 It's easy to say I hadn't had a drink and I haven't had a beer. But the important thing was learning how to live, learning how not to act the way I was acting because I was a product, I was a byproduct of fear. Yeah. And anxiety. Yeah. You know, my head couldn't stop spinning. You know, sitting still, quiet for that long was impossible. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You know? It's like the fucking most difficult thing to do. I, at six months of sobriety, I was, I, I, I had to exhaust myself every day. Yeah. I was running, you know, I, I weighed 140 pounds, I think 145, because right. I wasn't eating. I was running every day. I was running four to five miles a day. Just wake up and go. And I remember like one day where like I was going to go run. I was having all this anxiety and all this crazy feelings hit me. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know? And uh, man, I was like, I was putting on my shoes, about to get out the door. And I just sat down in a chair and I was paralyzed for hours. Yeah. With... And it was the first time, though, where I had to start really thinking about all the decisions that led me to right where I was at. Yeah. You know, and it was like that existential crisis, yeah. you know, and, and where, oh, I remember I took a left turn that day. And that, I, that, that put me at that house at that time or that put me at that convenience store, you know. And, that, was, that was my, that was my life. Yeah. My life was that first line from the Bruce Springsteen song. I took a left turn and I just kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it was out of control. Yeah. You know, but I was Good still, reference, by the way, because yeah. I was not referencing the, the boss. Oh, I love the boss. Anyways, but I was out of control. So I was even out of control sober. You know, so I had yeah. to learn to live. Yeah, no, you I know, was the same way. I was a I, quiet I tornado. Yeah. And I was still that insecure guy who still kind of felt that, not kind of, who still felt that if I just had her, that would make me better. Yeah. If I just still had, if I had some money, that would make me feel better. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was all about my, what 
I, it was all about outside stuff. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about the, because if I could fix the outside, it would fix the inside, which yeah. was, I had it entirely wrong. Yeah. Entirely wrong. You know, and it was those guys at AA, those women and those men and women that taught me how to live. Yeah. You know? You know that no, I-, I feel you, man. And that was my big thing, too. So, like, I remember I, I, I was having a really bad week, a really bad couple of days. I don't know. The, the divorce stuff was really getting to me, you know. Yeah. I was I was at that point. I was, like, six to seven months into being sober, and that was the point where, like, you really – your brain starts opening back up to like, right. okay, we can let some emotion in now, motherfucker, you know? Yeah. So I, I went, I didn't want to come to uh, a meeting in the town that I lived in, which was here. And, or I was, well, I was living out in, out in a different town, but either way, I didn't want to come here. This was right. my group. And I went to the town, uh, just, you know, down the road and, uh, it was a new group for me. And I, I, there were two people in there that I did know, you know, because, you know, it's small. We just bounce around and that was nice. But I remember like saying the deepest shit I had ever said about how I felt and how I felt it was my fault. Right. And, and how I, I wanted to just apologize to my, my wife or my, my, my estranged wife. I didn't want to, I didn't. I didn't want to get back with my 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 wife. Yeah. I was fine with being divorced. Yeah. But I wanted her to know that I was really sorry. And I couldn't get that across to her. Right. And I was trying. That was the thing is that I was constantly trying just to apologize. Like every conversation we're having, I'm like, hey, I'm fucking sorry, by the way. Right. You know? And, and there was like jealousy and all that stuff. But all, honestly... After thinking about it now, like it's been so long, that was just all ego. Like yeah. if she, oh she got a boyfriend, I'd be up butthurt about it. Well, whatever. That's just fucking ego. That's yeah. just humans move on. You know, I'm in a much better spot than I was ten, yeah. ten fucking eleven years ago. You know, but um oh, but anyways, back to my point real quick was this fucking old guy sitting, you know, down the way from me. I'm like deep in my shit. I'm like pulling out some feelings i'm probably gonna cry soon i don't know what's happening to me yeah you know my hormones are going nuts yeah and uh and this old man just goes ah you're like seven months in aren't you you know and he's just like it's a rough ride man but you're gonna pull through like this guy didn't give two shits you know about about how i felt and it made me so mad but at the same time it's like thinking about it now it's like man that's like how i would probably Think That's, whenever I hear someone yeah. saying the same shit because he was saying the same thing, you know. Yeah. So and, and see, I learned the same thing. Yeah, and the whole point was by that point, then I had to learn how to live again, mm-hmm. and and then I was terrified of being a father. Yeah. You know, I was at, I was. How old was your daughter whenever you? By this up time, then? she was like twelve or something like that. Okay, so but, she's already kind of dealt. Yeah, with and you and now she's a, dealing with a, me. An alcoholic. Now she's dealing with the dad that's no longer drinking, that doesn't have a lot of money, who's living in someone's back, well, someone's back house. You know, I was making enough money where these people in sobriety in my hometown, you know, they had these garage add-ons oh yeah yeah. and i could live there cheap for like a hundred bucks a month or whatever that's awesome you know and because they're all part of the same community they're probably getting like four grand a month yeah and they were they were trying to help out you know and and that's what we do in sobriety you know some of these people and and 
So, you know, I think the big thing was because of that lapse of not being around. I ended up not still not being around at the beginning of my sobriety. Yeah. You know, and and that pissed her off. Yeah. She was. So by the time we reconvened and I had finished up the second relapse and I had finished up the second stint in jail and I made this commitment in my heart knowing I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm going to fucking die this way if I do it again. I need to fucking get serious, you know. And when I try to reconnect, she didn't want anything to do with it, man. She was like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, and it was a long haul because we would battle back and forth. And it became a battle with her and I because I was I was a father that wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I was the father who had it easy because he had jails and institutions that took care of him while she was trying to grow up and deal with kid stuff that to them is real. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's their whole world. And with a bitch of a mother. Yeah. You know, who upon getting angry would just say, you know, go fucking deal with it yourself. You know, who does she turn to? Dad's not there. Yeah. You know, well, and then when I finally was there, where's dad? Oh, he's at a meeting. Yeah. You know, so I had to, I had to really re, you know, we really didn't patch shit up until after I came to Texas. I mean, we were, we were there, we were cordial, you know, and we, we'd hang out and we were kind of like buddies. Yeah. But we weren't. Yeah. Well, it's like the relationship I have with my oldest, you know, we, we, you know, we are buddies and she loves me and I am her dad and we, and I make those jokes all the time, but there was a big wedge between us, you know, and it was exploited, especially she was seven whenever I quit drinking. Right. And so, but her mother, like, you know, before that I was the alcoholic. Now I'm just some sober guy. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're not going to stay sober. And I was like, hold your breath, please. You know, yeah. you know, and, 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 and whatever, you know, like, so I had to reprove myself. Right. You know, and, and I have a good relationship with her, but, I, you know, whenever it comes to like discipline and stuff, it's like, I mean, what was I supposed to do? The only time yeah. I get you, I'm not going to ground you, you know? Yeah. Like, come on, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I feel like it's different between her and then the way it is with my son and I. Like, I'm very, my son sees me as authority, authority, you know, authority, right. you know, and it's, I don't know, but I feel you anyway. I didn't mean to just no, ramble that, on and cut you off. Yeah, no, you're fine. No, I'm glad you cut me off yeah because reconciling is hard yeah you know and and there's no right way of doing it no you know and i remember i, I talked to a guy named merlin luck one time merlin and i had a rather tumultuous relationship as friends i used to manage him when he was playing in this band blackbird right Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the most heartfelt talks him and I had was during the time when him and I had to reconcile. <laughs> we had to make up. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and it was at a festival, and we are on a hill early one morning, right? And we just started talking about our kids. And he was talking about his, and that was my life. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. And he goes, you know, and I'll never forget. He said, he said, there's no easy way, but, you know, when you go and you deal with it, Take it like a man. She's going to say some of the most awful things to you. She's going to tell you to fuck you, fuck off. You yeah, motherfucker. I, I was and sure enough, all she that. did. Yeah. You know, and he said, you got to take it. Yeah. Take it and don't say a damn word back. And he was right, you know. Yeah. And and we had to do that, you know. Um, 
I I don't know. I don't. You know, that's why there's a little bit of a desire in there to, to do it all again. Although, really, I don't want to do it all again. Yeah. You know, because I, I feel like I missed out a little bit, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think the story with a lot of alcoholics and a lot of drug addicts that, that have stories like ours, mm-hmm. you know, there's a huge gap in our story with our children. Yeah. You know, and it's painful to really confront. I can look at it now and accept it for what it is because it's all me. Yeah. You know, and I don't have that problem anymore of my head spinning out. I don't have anxiety. I don't, you know, I feel anxious at times and I recognize it and I can't put my finger as to why, but I write it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't, I don't start doing goofy things, mm-hmm. you know, um, I act like an adult. Yeah. You know, so in dealing with this gap, what I know now is the only thing I can do is move forward. Yeah, you know. So even when I've had and I've had some serious arguments with people, I go, "Well, why are we talking about what the fuck happened? We know what happened. How do we go forward from here?" Yeah, because I I'm not all about that. Well, you know, if you didn't go and put the damn hair dryer in the fucking sink, and if you didn't go and and leave the stuff, you know, yeah. but you know, but yeah, but 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 I don't know. What are we gonna do? Yeah, to move forward. Well, that's always that's a good way of looking at it, man. Yeah, I mean, that's so, the way. I don't know. That's the way I always look at it too. I have to, you know. Yeah. We both have to. And so, how old's your daughter now? She would she's be twenty-three now. And what what kind of relationship are y'all in? Y'all in like a love-hate thing, a hate to love, a blah blah blah. You know, you know. I like Talking to say, every now and then. you know. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what it is: Santa Claus, Dad. Mm. Yeah, there there is a hope and dream to move her to Cal, move her out here to Texas, but you know it, it. You know, I think it's it. It became. You owe me. You yeah, know? and of course, me going here, here, yeah. to pay for my sins. You yeah, know? yeah, and you know that that wasn't right either. So, you know, no, the the relationship is. It, I mean, there's a respect now. Yeah. Have yeah, you talked yeah. to her since the corona thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how's she doing with all that? Isolation. Yeah. Well, that's what everybody's doing. You know. My daughter's doing the same thing. She drives by and she does she, she does yeah, porch. She'll I'll sit on the porch, she'll sit in the car. Now you gotta talk. remember the, the high the the cost of living in California is Oh, I know, it's ridiculous. And for what I used to help out with and and what have you, you know, I think I think there are goals, and I don't know if they'll ever be fulfilled, but I would like to move her over here. Yeah. You know, and so she can experience what I'm experiencing on a different level because, you know, when you're going to work and you have to jump on a bus and travel, imagine going from a bus that has a, bu- a city that has a bus system. Yeah, right? yeah. We don't have, well, we, we have a bus, right? Mm hmm. But these buses go through city all the way from here to Buda. So she has to travel to Buda, imagine if she lived here yeah. in California length every day. You know? Yeah. So if you're getting out of work at eleven o'clock, that bus stops running close to midnight. By the time you get to the bus stop, it's you either make it or you miss it. Yeah. You know, and you know, here if she was close, you know, she'd be close by to a lot of things. I'd be able to help her and all that. So there's thoughts. There's yeah. negotiations. How's that? Yeah, there you go. 
Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're keeping in touch with her. Yeah. You do got some wild ass stories though. Yeah. We're we're gonna have to do a part two for some just crazy crazy we'll do a CPC part two. stories. We'll do a part two. How old's yeah. your daughter again? Huh? How old's your My daughter? My daughter now is eighteen. Okay. So she's doing she's just doing her thing. She's in school, but she's doing it all remotely now. Yeah. You know, and just I don't know, man. She's pretty chill. <laughs> you know? My son, he's so like my son doesn't remember me drinking at all. Oh, that's like true. he has no memory of me drinking. So he is merely just like his his memories of me drinking are not memories of me drinking. They're me telling him like, yeah, I drank whenever you were three. I right. quit drinking whenever you were three. Right. You know, I drank heavily until you were about three years old, mm-hmm. and I was a part of your life, but I just wasn't like, eh, you know, you yeah. were you were you were three years old, and I was drunk. You know, so what? It, what I don't know what you're expecting me to be. You right. know, I was a terrible dad. You know, and uh, but but since then, you know, it's he's just like, it's just always been we've been separated. His mom and I, like he doesn't really remember me in the house at all, which I wasn't there much. Yeah. Anyways, whenever I was there, I was in the a room asleep. You know. But uh, but yes, my daughter has some memory of me drinking. My son has no memory of me drinking, and I really can. It's crazy because I can tell the difference. Yeah. You know. And see, see, my daughter does not remember. She doesn't remember the awful times. Yeah. But what she remembers was how even when I was present, Daddy always had his baba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And 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 you know, I think at an early age of a little child, there comes a point where you're aware of the horror of what is happening in a family situation that's so fucking dysfunctional. That you tune out. You, yeah. you can remember the visuals. He had a can in his hand. He was always jumping in the car, going somewhere. Yeah. You know, or we'd go to the liquor store so he can buy me candy and he'd buy his bagged bottle yeah. of beer, you know. And she has those memories. And the other one she kind of puts out away. So I know there's damage that I had inflicted. You know, I remember yeah. her talking to me not too long ago about, I remember New Year's Eve, you crying. And she, and I remember that moment. We just, I remember that moment because mess. It, it terrified her. It yeah. absolutely terrified her because I was having a nervous breakdown. And, oh yeah. You know, and she didn't know what to do and she started crying. What's wrong with daddy? You know, and, and, and she goes, I remember you crying and yeah. she stares at me or, you know, she gets quiet. And I go, do you remember everything? And she just she just says, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And this is now coming from someone older now. Yeah. She's- so, you know, I can't fathom the damage that I've done. Yeah. You know, and the damage that's still there. You know, so I know it's there. And I know what I've done. And, you know, I, I just, you know... You know, if things could have been different, I, I would like to say I hope I could have done something different and become a better father. But, but you know, and getting sober and then having a, a daughter that lives in another part of town and me having nothing, you know, it was hard enough trying to deal with me. Oh yeah, no, and that's the way I was at man. I I got I so I remember, um, you know, 
in the beginning parts of my sobriety where I was just kind of bouncing around from people to people and room to room, right. you know, looking for a good one, looking, you know, just, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that's where you, you go to like a thousand meetings, man. I mean, yeah. I was going to three a oh, day. Oh yeah. I, had the, no I was going three a day. You know, I was going to a six o'clock meeting, a 12 noon meeting yeah. and a five o'clock meeting. And then if there was a meeting at seven or eight, then I'm doing four meetings. A yeah. Day. But, um, yeah, man, and we had, uh, I just remember this one guy, oh, man, he was so great, and he said just a few things in this meeting, it was a real small meeting, there was only three of us in there, it was early, it was an 8 a.m. meeting, and uh, and this, and he goes, he goes, I don't want anybody, he goes, I'm going to host this meeting, because I don't normally host, but I will, you know, or I'll chair, not host, but chair, yeah. and, um, and he goes, but I don't want anybody to think that I'm not a horse thief still. Yeah. No, I'm just a horse thief with my pants on now, you yeah. know. I'm just a horse thief that doesn't drink anymore, you so, know. Yeah. And and then, but hold on. And then he goes. But then he goes. And I also want to say this to everybody. He goes. Relapse is not a requirement of Alcoholics Anonymous. And man, that like that was the nail in the coffin for me when it came to like, am I gonna relapse? Because mm. I was like, fuck no. I I get it. Like, I that kept me sober. I rode that statement for two years really? before I like got serious about doing any kind of step work. Right. I just was like, I'm just not going to drink. I'm going to come to, I'm going to keep coming to these meetings. I'm going to, I'm going to participate in all this weird shit. Everybody wants to do outside of these meetings. And I'm, this is going to be my community because it's a good safe place for me to be. Cause no one is going to go, Hey, you want to drink? Yeah. You know? And we still talk about the same stupid shit you talk about in a bar. Yeah. that's the best part about that. Yeah. You just do it sober and you're like, God, we're just assholes. You're like, yeah, we are, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but you know, it, it really, it was probably about two years before. Yeah. I got, I got serious with a buddy of mine. We decided that we were going to like barrel down and do the, the AA. Oh, I, saw, I, I started immediately. I, I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I was hanging out with these guys, you know, Hey, you want, want to hang out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, we had a book study. You know, and we're starting from the beginning of the book. You know, yeah. and before you know it, I'm on a fourth step, and he's like, "Yeah, write it out, and we're going to show you how. To, you know, we're going to write out this list of fears or the, yeah. you know, uh, resentments, and and you know, this is sexual. You know, uh, this is about relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's. And then, if you want, you want to share it with me? Okay, sure. Well, what do I do? And he goes, "Well, why don't you take a week or so, and why don't we write it out? You know, and yeah. it started there. You know, so imagine you know me here in Texas as this guy that's like all over the place, right? You know, kind of got my fingers in all these little pies, you yeah. know, kind of involved in this, involved in that, you know? Yeah. Imagine that pared down into an AA. That's the yeah. way I was. I was all over the map. You know, I was that guy, like, when I relapsed, it was like, you mean the president of AA relapsed? Oh, yeah, I see what you're You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, because I was doing those the things. The highest dean of AA has relapsed. yeah. CPC. Yeah, you know, I was I was this committee chair. I was the chair of that committee. Yeah. You know, I was I was heading all the you committee. Were head, head deacon. Yeah, I was yeah. the head deacon. <laughs> you know, and then when I came out, man, I just realized I'm just another average alcoholic. I'm yeah, just man. A typical run of the mill guy. Yeah. Just trying to stay sober, and all I have to do is just you know take it one day at a time, slow the fuck down. Yeah. And you know, if I don't feel comfortable. Find a pair of ears that can let that I can let know, and just do what's just right in front of me because that's all I can do. Yeah, and that that I barreled in. 
So when I started doing step work again, the best way to do step work for me was at that point hanging out with some new guy. Yeah. Let's do it together, man. Yeah, you know? no, and, and that was and, and I did. I gravitated towards uh the newer yeah. faces whenever I was more involved with AA. I don't go as much as I used to. I mean I'm I'm literally now just a chip whore. I just yeah. I show up to get my chip. I mean I just get so busy. I don't have I mean, I don't really have any other excuse other than I just don't want to go anymore right now. You know, I'm just, that's where I am in my life. I'm a, I'm a diplomatic ambassador. Yeah. How's that? I, I go and I go regularly whenever I'm asked. Yeah. Someone who wants to get sober. Yeah. You know, and I'll, well, and that's the thing is every time I go, I feel bad for not going more. Yeah. And I feel that I could be of use to someone. But then again, I also, I'm not that, I, I'm a very nice person. I think but I'm get, also yeah. not a nice person to people. I'm a sweetheart. See, that's the difference. Okay, so, you know, I never raise my hand whenever I say, have you worked the 12 steps, and are you willing to be a sponsor? I, I, I never do. And I, I was a sponsor to one guy one time. This is a great story. I don't know where he is anymore. I don't know how he's doing in life. But he called me at 4 o'clock in the morning to tell me that he wanted the drink. And the only thing that I could, mu- and I know this is going to sound so fucking bad, huh. but the only thing that I could muster out was then fucking drink and call me back tomorrow. You know? Because I don't care. It's four fucking o'clock in the morning. Yeah. If you've been sitting on this for that, this is the way my brain was working at that time. I wouldn't say that now. Yeah. But at the time, I was young and I was, I was like two years sober. Well, you know, at two years sober, I'm like, I fucking got it all figured out. You know, I think I had just done my 12 steps. So that made me like qualify to be someone's sponsor. And honestly, I did not qualify to be someone's sponsor. But anyways, he did. I mean, he sobered up. Um, I, I, I take it that that person, he, he got drunk, you know, that night, whatever. But uh, my thinking on the whole thing was just like, if you've been sitting on it that long, you just fucking do it and you deal with it, you know. And, uh, cause that's the way I felt about myself too. Is like, if I'm going to sit here with a fucking beer in my hand, just stare at it. I might as well just drink the yeah. goddamn thing. That's why that beer doesn't come into the house right now. Or that's why there's no whiskey in this house. You know, it was a desert when it came to alcohol. Yeah. I, and you know, and I just, I didn't realize that people didn't have it the way that I had it set up for me. Right. That worked for me. And this guy didn't, he was trying to figure out what worked for him. And he thought calling me at four o'clock in the fucking morning was going to work for him. Yeah. And it, it blew up in his face, and I always have felt I, bad for it. But what happened? Well, I mean, he, yeah, as far as I know, he got wasted and he started over, and uh, I no longer sponsored him. And I didn't really have much of a communication with him after that. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't see them, him around town anymore. So, and this was also yeah. in a different town than the one we're in right now. So, you know, it's just whatever, you know, yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I and I can't like sit here and feel too responsible, but I definitely can take responsibility for the actions that I took that night, which were pretty shitty. Mm. You know, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. So yeah, don't worry. Don't yeah, no, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I I hope that he's done. I hope that that person has come out to see the light. You know, right. But um, yeah, man, sobriety is an ass kicker, and it. Being a drunk and having kids is difficult. And I think about that now, you know, to go back to where, you know, you think about starting it all over. I am married. I am fucking happily married. And I have talked to my wife. And I have a vasectomy, so I can't have kids. But 
I have talked to her, and we both have, and I think we both agree because it's it's safe to agree right. because I can't have kids. But you know, like man, I would love to have a baby with you, and I like the fact that I just looked you deep in the eyes as I said that too. But I, w- I was like, I'd have a baby with you, and we could raise this baby because we're both emotionally was- mature. You know, we're both like got our shit squared away. We have a a five year plan laid out for ourselves about yeah. where we're gonna be and who we want to be. And uh, I couldn't do that if I was drinking, you know. And it blows my mind that she can drink and and still manage a normal life. Yeah. And she doesn't drink like heavily. Yeah, some some you know? people are alcoholics, others are. See, yeah. and that's where that's one thing I've come to terms with. You know what I do, so you know I'm all over the map. Yeah. When it comes back, well, that's so. the that's the thing is I think we have you have radial drinkers and then you have light switch drinkers. Yeah. And, and radial, you can dim the light and come it on a little and, bit at a time. And the only and difference I'm a fucking is on switch. No matter who it is, and yeah. no matter what kind of drinker they are, or even drug addict for that matter. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. The only time I care is if I'm in a relationship with them. Yeah. Then when it affects me. Then that's when it goes south. Well, yeah, I couldn't, and I couldn't yeah. be with someone that. I mean, was my like best friend, my best friend, he's, you know, and he jokes around, and he'll he'll say, "Yep, I am." I go, "Yeah, I had to ask him once." I go, "Are you serious? Do you really?" He goes. He thought for a moment. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'm an alcoholic," you know, and I can accept that because, and I'm not going to try to save his fucking life. Yeah, it's not my job to anyway. Yeah. But no, you know, it's not. I mean, if we so, could save everybody, you know. But I accept safe. him, so I can hang out, and he can get schnockered. And when he gets too stupid, I go, "Okay, I'm going home now." Yeah. You know, he goes, "You need help to your room?" He goes, "No, I'm just going to be a grumpy old guy here for the next two hours." I said, yeah. "Okay, call you in the morning." You know, and it's fun. It's it's two friends. You know, but yeah, I don't care because alcohol is not the enemy. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's just how it affects. Them. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, even how it affects affected me it wasn't the problem i was the problem yeah no that was the thing man you sober up and you start realizing like you know therapy is probably not a bad idea you know and then you have like those realizations like oh no i just had a lot of regressed shit that i never dealt with yeah you know weird childhood traumas and all that kind of stuff and then just your own personal pity party shit that you know they say it's pity party but it's like it's real if it's it's in you it's trauma it's there you know, oh, I so. watch the pity parties. That 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 phrase I'm aware of mostly in the sense of when I start feeling, in the term, I'm throwing a pity party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashes in my head, then I know I'm that far away from self sabotage. Yeah. So I got to be very careful with that one. Yeah. <coughs> I can't believe you just coughed. <laughs> it's the corona. It's the corona. All right, man. Well. We're definitely at the top of someone's hour. We're at the top of someone's hour. I'm feeling pretty good about this. I'm feeling great. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Yeah, thank thank you, you, everyone. Thank you for flying United. Uh, Remember, our sponsor tonight was... Oh, good God. I don't have any sponsors. But I do have to say this because um, it would be really cool. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. I'm in here with... My good friend. Are we going to use your name? Chris Cardoza? Christopher Paul Cardoza. CP motherfucking C. That Christopher is me. Car. I don't Goza. even know. I, don't, I can't even say his name right. Say it again. Christopher. Say my name. Teddy Robinson. There you go. Anyways. No, but thank you. And you can find us on Facebook on Parents Just Won't Shut Up. By the way, you need to like that page. Also, gotcha. whoever you listen to podcasts on, subscribe. Okay. I'll send you a link. What do you send got? Me a link you for got YouTube? an Android? No. You got an Android? Yeah. 
I'll send you a link to Spotify. You got Spotify? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. yeah. I, if not, I got like Pocket Cast and all that other crap. But Spotify is the easiest one. The only way I, I hesitate with Spotify is because I then I go through this nightmarish thing of trying to turn it off. Well, I can send you a link to a different podcast. Send, send, me, send me a couple links. And- I'll send you one through Pocket Cast. That, that okay. seems like the best. Anywho. But uh, and that goes to everyone else. God dang it! You can always like listen to Sean. I love him. And by the way, if you download the Anchor app, which I could send you that, that, you can go to the. You'll see it on their thing, and you can donate to the cause because guys, I'm broke. I'm not. I'm not really broke, but I do. I'm uh, writing out a check right now. I want to see if anybody wants to send me money on the uh, thing. How do you spell your name? Uh, It's uh, S E A N, sir. Anyways, y'all have a good night. Thank you again for tuning in. Hello? Hey, CPC, my main man. What are you doing? Yes, sir. I am doing good. All right, man. Yes, sir. How how may I help you on this fine, beautiful day? Oh, good guy. Let's not make this sound so staged. It's ridiculous. No, seriously, though, I did an interview with you the other day, in case you have forgotten about that already, due to wet brain. Oh, I forgot all about it. I forgot all about it. Yeah, yeah, the the after effects. But I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I just forgot to do this with you, but I always end my shows with asking the parents if they would, if there was a reset button that they could hit. You know, and 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 not have not have that life that they had with their child or with whatever their past, and uh, you know, would they do it over again with no memory of this one? So my question is to you, sir: Would you hit that big red button? Oh, that's a that's a very double-edged sword. Uh, no, I wouldn't. You yeah. know, and I think typically a lot of people would say yes. I know I've I've contemplated that thought daily. Yearly, yeah. monthly, and why would I? I mean, I mean, I'm where I'm at right now. I'm at the happiest I've been. I mean, to reset it would to would be to go back to a life I do not know. There's the only life that I know. Yeah, no, that's uh, very true. So, yeah. Well, I've so always I'm thought satisfied. it was. Yeah, good, you're good. Well, I've always thought it was a silly question to ask people, but I'm waiting for that one person that's like, yeah, sure, I would. Why not? You know. And who knows? Oh, they're out there. Yeah, they're I'm sure they there. are. But I haven't, I haven't found one yet. Well, anyway, sir, thank you very much, and I do appreciate well, it. Well, I appreciate you, and thank you for having me on the show. Hey, remember uh, to do the call-outs for Parents Just Won't Shut Up. That's going to be you. I want you to end the show with me and just say thank you for listening to another wonderful hour of Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Give it to me right now. Okay. Wait, so wait. What do I say? Parents. Oh Thank you for listening to another hour of Parents Just Won't Shut okay. Up. Here we go. Thank you for listening to another hour of Parents Won't Shut Up. Just Won't Shut Up. You're a terrible person. Thank you for thank you, thank you for wasting my gosh. time and the listeners' time. You have a good day, okay, sir. Okay. All right. Give thank you. you. Time. Bye. All right. Bye. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. Go for it. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Okay, say it again and say it a little bit slower. Wait, how, how slow? Just a little bit slower. Okay. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Awesome. Thank Fortunately, I have the key to escape reality. And you 